Hey listeners, we just wanted to give you a disclaimer before you listen to this episode. Our guest today, uh, Carlos, used the word mylar and what he meant to say was myelin. Um, Yeah, sometimes we have a little mix up with our words in the MS world. Yes, and MS diagnosis comes with lots of new language, so please forgive us and enjoy the episode. Enjoy. Thanks. Thanks. Welcome to the Myelin and Melanin podcast with Dawn and Dana. We're just two women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. Our listeners can always find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Myelin Melanin. You can also check us out on YouTube as well as our website, which is myelinandmelanin.com. And this is episode 35. We have reached 35. I think that's a good number. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, it's it's just been an interesting few weeks. And I'm I'm really excited about this this episode, this particular one, and kind of, you know, what we are preparing for the next few episodes. Um, we're having a bit of a series. And this episode is called um, Beyond Montel, Black Men and MS, but we will explain why. But we, we <laughs> wanted to talk pretty, pretty much, or we wanted to devote the next few episodes to highlight the stories of Black men because we don't often hear them or hear their voices with the exception of, of Montel <laughs> or hear, you know, hear their voices, hear their stories, you know, things like that, which is why that's Like I said, which is why the series is called beyond Montel black men and MS Montel. We love you and no disrespect, <laughs> but yeah. Yes. So um, yeah, I mean, you and I listened to a webinar um, sponsored by the National MS Society yes. um, yesterday or the day before yesterday, and they had a neurologist on, Dr. Mitzi Williams. She was amazing. And her presentation was fantastic. And she had all kinds of slides, um, you know, that had completely um, fan- just wonderful information that blew my mind that I didn't know, you know, all the, the various statistics. But anyway, the webinar was about African Americans living with MS. And um, I I can find the slides and and post that at some point, but um, it, yeah, I, we should post it on the website. Absolutely, and we should highly encourage people to also look at the National MS Society. They have these fantastic free webinars for people, and you can just you know plug in your computer, type type in you know hello, I want to I want to be um, on this webinar and you're in and you just, you know, silently listen, but they provide that. I think it's monthly and it's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I digress. So she had various slides and um, one of her initial slides talked about, do you remember she brought up, this is the face of MS and that's exactly yes. what the slide said. And the face of MS was a young, you know, very attractive young Caucasian woman smiling and the photo, it was lovely, the photo that she had shown, but it just kind of was like, okay, that she was pointing out the fact that since the studies have shown African-American women have a very high number, an increasing number, I think it was like 47% yeah. higher rate of being diagnosed with MS, where are the faces of black women? And then where yeah. are the faces of black men? And that sparked 
I think for us, you know, well, we were already kind of fueled with wanting to talk to black men about their experiences, but that particular slide really sparked something in us and said, you know, Hey, let's focus. Let's, let's turn this into a series. So um, it really sparked our, you know, the interest even more to discuss how the disease affects black men, you know? um, Yes. And that's, that's really where we are right now. And I'm just so grateful and excited that we have some amazing men that have um, been so gracious with their time and their stories and they want to talk about it. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because as we all know, MS is such a variable disease. It doesn't manifest the same way for any two people. That being said, we don't want to assume that all Black people, all Black men experience MS the same way because they don't. Exactly. So I think this series will kind of highlight the uh, different experiences that that Black men in particular have. Right. I think the only thing that Black men and like Black men who do have MS, they have in common is that, and this was uh, from the slides that she had presented, the doctor, um, that there is a profound progression when they are diagnosed. Um, Quite often, you see um, a lot more men that have um, a faster, I, I don't know how you would put it, I guess a faster rate of progression versus women. You know, um, I, I don't, well, actually, I don't know if it was just particularly black men. I think it was just men in general, but. I think so. But yeah. too, just thinking back on our episode with Master Ace a few weeks ago. I mean, he's been diagnosed for, what, 20, 20 years, years. Now, Yeah. And he's still going strong. Absolutely. He said his MRIs, you know, didn't show progression or anything like that. So. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm no researcher. I couldn't tell you how to interpret stati- these statistics, but right and the clinical trials, right, right, yeah. And that was one of the the high the points I should say in her um, webinar. She was stating that there aren't enough men or women, black men or women that are participating in these clinical trials. So it's difficult to have an accurate number when they do discuss things that, you know, like what we just said. So, um, yeah, so they kind of are encouraging people to get involved in clinical trials so that, you know, they can help further the research. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited too. And I'm super excited about the guest we have with us today. Um, Our guest today is Carlos Kareem Windham. He's an artist and educator, musician, writer, lecturer, and comedian um, with more than 30 years' experience in group facilitation, community organizing, training, and advocating for social justice, racial equity, and community empowerment. Thanks for joining us today, Carlos. Thank you all for having me. Carlos, would you like to share a bit about yourself before we get into our discussion? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, you know, to share some of uh, what the, the reasons that I would be part of this discussion. Yes. I was uh, diagnosed 
gosh, I'm going to say four years ago now. Um, and a- as I was diagnosed, I learned that I have uh, had MS for at least 20 years. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, no, it was a, a shock all the way around. Um, I, uh, I developed a symptom after I had finished a race that I was running. I used to run. Uh, and was running an ultra marathon. And at the end of the race, I had looked over to my left and I saw double vision. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had always joked that you could possibly run yourself cross-eyed. So I thought I had. And uh, it cleared up. And I went out uh, a day or two later for a very, very short three mile. Mm-hmm. And the same kind of thing began happening. Uh, and so I thought I needed a little bit of, uh, eye exercises Mm -hmm. and went to the optometrist and explained what was going on. And, uh, she dilated me and started saying things that made me very nervous. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, it took what I thought would be about a 15 minute appointment ended up taking two hours. Uh, and she eventually consulted with the neurologist and came back with the good news that she didn't believe that the tumor was in my eye. Oh, wow. Um, and that was all that she had for me. So they initially thought it was a tumor. Yeah, okay. yeah. They thought that perhaps I had a, an eye tumor at first. Yeah, no, she thought she thought at first that... Uh, Perhaps it was a, an eye tumor. And one of the things about Western medicine that I've learned along my journey is that the approach that, that is taken here mm-hmm. in terms of uh, keeping patients hyper uh, informed of everything that's going on yes, uh, is one of the things that causes this tension uh, in patients, right? So for days I'm walking around thinking maybe I got a brain tumor and... Uh, you know, and that's concurrent to the time that I had just discovered that my mother, uh, who uh, died about a year ago today, that's had scary. stage four lung cancer, right? And so holding those concurrently was a lot. Absolutely. And yeah, so finally they got me into the MRI machine and uh, the technician was the first one who uh, inadvertently demonstrated on uh, his facial expression that there might be something going on in my brain. Yeah. Um, which was shocking, right? You know, when you see somebody else look at your brain and they're looking like, whoa, okay. Right. And uh, I talked to the first doctor and she was very... Uh, officious and began talking about mylar and i didn't know what that was uh so i left there and and she was talking about the gentleman of mylar i left there and i went to my naturopath uh as you do Hmm. and uh decided that i was just going to try that route and then i got my first secondary symptom Hmm. And I started getting the ants on my toes. Um, and I had already had, uh, for tw- for the full 20 years, I had what they call a uh, stinger 
Um, I don't know if it's a, a symptom that either of you are familiar with, but it feels uh, like your hair hurts mm-hmm. almost as though you had a fever or a flu. Um, and of course, it's right. you know, it's your nerves not knowing what to do, just having some extra noise. Yeah, right. And um, I had always, as a as a comic book blurb, considered it my spider sense. And uh, the doctor said, "No, that's a that that's a symptom, sir." And once the ants started, uh, you know, I called back over to the uh, to the doctors and said, "All right, let me let me talk to whoever the head neurologist is and let them explain to me what's actually going on." Let me because I didn't understand what you were saying. Right. I need somebody to break this down for me. And um, based on my scans, and that, this was unbeknownst to me, but based on my scans, they then bumped me over to the head neurologist. And he and I sat down and uh, he kind of read through my chart uh, very quickly, as, as the doctors are prone to do, and then said, okay, well, you know, we, you got sent over here, so let's just see what's going on. I'm glad you're back, and let's just have a look. And as, as he looked at it, um, I was very impressed. My brain is beautiful. <laughs> it's, I mean, this shit is sparkly, B. You know, it, it, looked, it looked like Michael Jackson's glove when it was still innocent. You know what I mean? It was just gorgeous, and I was proud. And as he kept going, and it just kept being sparkly, he was like, yo, um, okay, <laughs> let me explain to you what each one of these is, mm-hmm. right? And that's when he started talking about, yeah, each one of these was, was an active uh, MS attack. Wow. And these, these are episodes of degenerative mylar, and you got a lot. And he kept scanning through. And he got up to a point and and just stopped. And he's like, okay. And he said, okay, do you see this right here? And I said, what? Yeah, that area? He said, yeah, that's the frontal left cortex. Now, do you see this dark area? Hmm. I said, yeah. He said, okay. Let me ask you something. What do you do for a living? And when he said that, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What are we talking about right now? Right. He's like, so I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer uh, and I, I, you know, I, I'm a director at a nonprofit right now. He said, okay. All right. Do you enjoy your job? And I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do. He said, okay, this is what I want you to understand. And I need you to understand this deeply. Dark spots like this is not what we're after. And that is a part of your brain that is no longer active. So part of your brain has died at this point. And where it is, and given the number of attacks you've had, I would guess that you've had MS for about 20 odd years. And I was just like, wait, what are we talking about right now? Right. You know. So you hadn't even thought they had never like used MS in the context. Yeah, this is the of first the time anybody said the words multiple sclerosis. I mean, like up to this point, I'd heard about myelar degeneration, which I looked up, but did not understand the extent 
of what the doctors had seen because I didn't see the scan, right? And so once I got kicked up to the other doctor because I was like, yo, I, you know, whatever that, whatever happened in that referral, I wasn't really with it. You know what I mean? And she was talking about the medications mm -hmm. right then at that point, but there was not that she was just jumping straight to medication, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as, mm -hmm as a black person dealing with doctors and white mm -hmm. doctors talking about, yo, we want to get you on right. medication. I'm like, listen, mm -hmm. you're going to have to say more words from your mouth hole. You know, right. uh, that's how, you know, I don't know if you know about this thing called Tuskegee, but. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, no, I'm looking at her like, yo, this is not, this ain't the hit. Exactly. Uh, so that's where right. I had walked out and gone back to the naturopath. And it was not until I had sat down really with the head neurologist that, mm. you know, they broke it down. And he was like, yo, I'm going to let you know right now that if you were my child, if it was me, if we were related, I would want to get you on medication like yesterday. And, uh, that was really the conversation yeah. that for me was like, oh shit, okay. So this is this is a thing. This is a thing. And you know, and understanding of course the brains are supposed to be great, which I did not until I had seen my very beautiful uh bedazzled noggin. I mean, I can't imagine that would that would terrify me. And of course, being a black man, like you said, historically, we don't have the best luck in the medical field. You know, when you in, no. in terms of the experiment, Dana and I were mm -hmm. just talking about that earlier that, you know, that didn't end until the 70s. So, right. you know, right. it, it, that's a very mm -hmm. it, it's scary to be in front of people talking to you you would know nothing of that that's happening to your body have you had you ever had an mri before any like x-rays i'm sure but never an mri right no 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 this was i mean the, the entire thing was was new for me i literally right like this that part of the journey for me truly began thinking i was going to the optometrist right. to get those eye exercises you know what i mean yes. that that that's what i thought what i was doing and this was that was four, four years, years ago. ago yeah Okay, let yep. me ask you, do okay. you currently wow. see this neurologist? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That... This, the same the okay. same uh, head of neurology is my neurologist. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, one of the, you know, it's one of the plus minus sides, right? Like discovering that my MS in terms of the the numbers of episodes that I've had in terms of the damage that had been mm -hmm. done uh, mm -hmm. was so advanced that for him, right, he takes special interest in this. He's like, oh, okay, you, you're walking. All right, cool. Right. Uh, you said you run marathons, is it? Okay, let's uh, help you keep doing that and figure out how this right. is possible because... You know, as as is true across the board, and I only understand this because, of course, right, doctors get excited, they can't keep their mouth shut. There is mm -hmm. this explosion in the field of uh, black folks across the diaspora showing up with symptoms of MS and with the rise in MS. Um, so I'm one of like four patients that he had concurrently 
the only cis-born male and uh, really the only patient he had across the board in terms of MS who was, uh, you know, according to the MRI, as advanced mm -hmm. as, as I am, uh, but still remains, you know, outwardly functional. Definitely it's, it's an invisible right. disability. Um, right. But the symptoms are, I, I can at least uh, navigate them, right? It's the way that the doctors talk about it, like, are, you know, can you control the symptoms? And it's like, fuck no, I can't control the symptoms, man. But, <laughs> you know, I can navigate the symptoms. So have right. they, okay. have you had an MRI yeah. of your spine uh, at all? No, 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 no. Uh, they, okay. uh, Based on all the blood work, they were clear on having to do the spinal MRI or spinal tap, uh, and they were able to identify that the MS is certainly, uh, and based on the area that is that is uh, no longer with us, uh, <laughs> that it's uh, you know it's certainly in my brain. It's in your brain, okay. Uh, well, which kind yeah, of which is, which, it explains why you can keep running because mine is from C6 to T12. I used to be a runner also, and I'm not able to uh, run okay. anymore. So, I mean, I, I can now, but it's not the same. It's just not the same. Yeah. Well, and it's not the same for me either now, right? Because between the medication and, and uh, just paying attention to my body rather than, you know, approaching with pain denial and, and just pushing through everything. I love what you just um, said, paying attention to your body. I love that. I'm writing that down yeah. for, for a further discussion, but okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, no, and it took a while to learn that, right? Because as a marathon runner, it's like you, the whole thing is to lie to yourself, right? This doesn't hurt that much. I could keep going. I could go further. I'm not that hungry. This is fine. I, my toes feel good, you know, until you get to the end, right? Mm -hmm. And that level of training is really about endurance training, right? And figuring out what you can endure. And that is not the same thing as actual self-care, right? Like pushing mm -hmm. your body to its mm -hmm. limits and to mm -hmm. its maximum to see what it can do while an interesting endeavor, and I would certainly not, you know, bemoan anybody for doing it, you know, if you're a runner, then you know it's true that like most of us end up there because we're running from something. Mm. And eventually we stay there mm. because we're running towards something. Mm -hmm. Right. But it is not somebody with a, uh, shall we say, um, undamaged psyche who decides they're going to put some sneakers on and see if they can just go run 20 miles. Like that's not a normal <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> right. right. And so, uh, you know, having that level of self-awareness around it also meant that, you know, once I had the diagnosis and once I knew what to look for, as I started feeling the levels of exhaustion that I had normally felt that I would, you know, play mm -hmm. off with caffeine, uh, that I would disguise uh, with weed. Uh, or confused with, you know, the, the coming down, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and understanding, right. okay, these are exhaustion levels in my body. 
what happens if I give into it? What happens if I lean into that, right? Where's the level of recovery there? Knowing that I've looked at, okay, what is the miracle that my body can pull off in terms of recovering from pushing it physically? What does it mean if I actually take care of it? What is the level of recovery then? And and like yourself, what I found is that I, I don't run the kinds of distances that I did. I would not call myself a runner in that sense at all. Um, but spiritually, artistically, um, and, and in terms of, of taking care of myself because of first meeting groups online, right? Mm-hmm. Um, learning more about my own circumstance, and then finally getting out of my own way and and finding a black woman therapist um, and starting to, you know, not restore my psyche, but certainly to um, rebuild mm-hmm. and strengthen and reify and find new ways of existing that that allow me the full of my humanity, including those things that have to be denied in order to be that level of elite athlete, whether you're competitive or not, right? I mean, there's a level of discipline or denial that's involved in that kind of an endeavor that when applied, you know, to, to really taking care of and listening to and being in tune with my body for me anyway mm-hmm. uh, has has made an enormous difference and and you know i don't love all of the awarenesses but knowing it and mm-hmm. and embracing it um certainly does allow me to begin to be on the journey to love all of myself and know that everything that is happening is always normal this is what is normal Wow. Right. Wow. So three right. days, right? And those those three days of recovery where you just got to Netflix and smoke. <laughs> right. Right. That's yeah. normal. Right. That is that is what's normal. And the days that I feel like enabled, right? That's also normal then. Right. But I know that's not always, and that's not forever, and that's not me. That's not an identity I can own anymore, mm. right? They're wonderful days, but that's not. But that's not. That's not the whole yeah. of who I am anymore, right? And I can't hide from that. So I have to, you know, I have. I've learned to. I'm learning. I have not learned. That's bullshit. I'm learning. <laughs> to, you just hit you know, on something that when you said uh-huh. hiding, but I know you want to ask a question too, Dana, because I wanted to go back to the spiritual. What about the hiding? You, my, some, a few questions popped up. Were, were you hiding for 20 years? Do you think that you were hiding, you know, experiencing these symptoms, not knowing it was MS, but do you feel as if you were hiding from something oh, so spiritually? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm okay. so grateful. I'm so grateful. I mean, I had spent, you know, and it's tied to so many things, right, as it is in all of our lives, right? But for me... I had spent that same 20 years doing everything I could to be a normal. 
know what I'm saying? Like I got a city mm-hmm. job. Uh, I, I was walking around in like, you know, pleated khakis and shit. <laughs> I mean, for real, you know what I mean? I was like, okay, I'm going I'm to just do this. I'm going to be like a normal person, right? And I was real bad at it. I was terrible at it. I was terrible at it. I was just so fucking disruptive. It was just terrible. What I snuck out of my office one time through some bushes because I just was like, this is some bullshit. I'm not doing this. And I knew if I went out the front, my boss might see me. So I was like, nah, nah, right? Cold ass man, like, no. I was married, trying to like, you know, I had a house and I was trying to do all the suburban shit. And not even suburban, it was the huxtabillion dream that I had been fed, right? Yeah. That all of us have been fed, right? And and it, all of it, for 20 years, I tried everything I could to just squeeze it tighter and tighter and tighter and hold on to it. And the more I did and the more I tried to box myself in and fit into this thing, you know, I'm sure that that exacerbated my illness as well because it just was not a state of, of, of right. balance. Um, and it wasn't honest and it was hiding from myself. It was trying to, to deny what had been my truth for the 20 years before that, do you know? Mm-hmm. All I can really say is wow, because <laughs> Don and I both were in denial for a long time about our diseases when we uh-huh. were yeah. diagnosed. Um, so the level of self-awareness that you have and you've only been diagnosed for yeah. four years. Four years. Like right. Dawn, are you just kind of like, wow. I'm blown away. Yeah. <laughs> because you're, you're speaking my language right now. Like this is, I am so grateful for MS because I never would have walked in my truth. I would have continued to hold up that facade and continue to be a Huxtable as you, you know, as you spoke about, um, I'm in the process now of selling my home and try, I was trying so hard to hold on to it. That's a whole nother story, but, um, you just get to a point where you're just tired of it. And it's like, okay, I'm almost 20 yeah. years in the game, yeah. you know, the game of MS, you know, what in the world am I doing? You know? And I love that you have this self-awareness yes. and that you are just so like, I don't know. You seem so grounded. So I'm like feeding off of your energy right now. Well, a lot of it is, is, you know, I don't know, man. It's not that grounded so much as it is like, you know, it's, it's, it's what happens to all of us, right? When you find anything in this world, anybody in this world, right, who kind of feels sparkly, right, feels shiny in this fucked up world, right, you got to think about Mm -hmm. what buffed them to get them like that. You know what I'm saying? Because that comes through Mm. living through and recognizing and again, trying, reaching to get to a place of recognition around the multiple traumas that, that existed in trying to exist in that normal life. Right. And Again, those aren't about mm-hmm. fault. You talked about losing your house and or, or trying to hold on to your house. I tried to hold on to that house. We were squatting in the house, right? We tried to hold on to the marriage. We had lost a child. Mm-hmm. And every therapist we saw was like, y'all, mm-hmm. this is, you know, come on. This is a deal breaker for most people. 
and both of us just arrogant, like, nah, we doing this. It's us against the world, then, then we against you too, yeah. right? And trying to really fight a hurricane of life and every kind of message that could be given. And luckily, fortunately, blessed with a second child who was the first one to break the fissure, for, to, to illuminate the fissure for me, right? Watching her cover her ears at me being argumentative with her mother as an infant, mm -hmm. that was the moment for me that I was like, okay, this is done. I can't, this is, I can't hurt the child. This can't be part yeah. of the story. So we got to figure out a way to co-parent. We got to figure out a way to do this differently. Right. And if it weren't for her lead, that's do that too would be impossible, right? That too would be impossible because I was raised as a cis dude. I was not raised to be in touch with that level of emotionality. So really without somebody staying on me to go do my own emotional labor, go to therapy, go deal with this, so we can deal with this, right? Without that, I don't, I don't know what or how I would have gotten to a place that anything I say could have been of value because the level of self-reflection wasn't there, right? Again, I was running at that time, literally and spiritually, mm -hmm. right? Like I was a runner. So... You know, it was a, it was a very, very, very different place, and and um, you know the 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 kinds of reflection that I had done prior, and living with the reality of my mother's cancer, right, which honestly was inevitable. She smoked her entire life, right we knew that this was going to come at some point. And so living at the reality of that and then having to make then active choices around, okay, my entire life, I've been able to share everything with this woman, everything. She's suffering. She's going through her transitions, knowing the level of weight that this will put on her, right? Because I have a child now. So knowing I've lost a child on top of that, right? So I know what it would do for her to learn this. And knowing, okay, this is our last mm -hmm. couple years. I would love to be able to share, right, what we're both going through, the circumstances that we're both in, the commonalities, the differences, all of it. But, right, mm -hmm. That was another one of the letting go, growing up, okay, I've got to find a way to, to navigate this because I cannot put that responsibility, I cannot put that emotional labor on this person who has been a warrior in this life and is transitioning to the next at this point, right? She's, she's closing out. So I got to figure out now this new level of acceptance. And so again, it's like, it's... It, all, each of these levels of acceptance, right? Like, as I'm sure are yours, it's nothing that you come to because you're brave, right? All these, all these normals, all these able who are right, like, yo, right. you're so brave. You're so you so bullshit. To. Fuck you. No, I'm not. I don't have a choice. 
Right. What I got to do. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. yes. Right. What else am I doing? Yes. So, so all of this stress pretty much was the catalyst to, you know, the you seeing double as you're running. It was like you were running right into yeah. this. This is yeah. This was and your and that was the longest race of my life, which is a which is a trip because this is the first time I ever thought about that. You just broke that open for me. That was the longest race wow. I had ever run. Right? It was an ultra marathon. It was like 31 miles or something like this. And it was at the end of that that I broke through and I'm only getting okay. And I'm not okay, getting okay with the idea of letting go of the identity of being a runner. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, for a decade had been a marathoner. Yes. Right, you know? Yes. You see other runners, you see runner bodies, yes. you convince it, yourself yeah, that I, weird Skeletor yeah. figure is like the hot shit, like, yeah. <laughs> Bony, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> big bone, girl. Huh? Yes. But I, <laughs> yeah. You end up sobbing. I know I did. I was sobbing watching people run. Yeah. I get mad yeah. seeing people run. Look at you. Oh, healthy. Oh, yeah. Your feet don't even hurt. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you think, Carlos, that you've accepted? Sorry. Do you think that you've accepted your new identity? Ah, whatever it is right now. Oh, you just cut to the bone. <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> yeah. Okay, word up. All right. So I am trying to learn how to. Right. Okay. So even the fact that that y'all had contacted have this conversation, right? There has been a, a process of accepting the invitations to step into this identity that has been taking place for me, honestly, since about a month before my mother had died, right? She sent me a photo uh, of herself in, a, in an old, old concert t-shirt from a group that I had had uh, a decade ago. Uh, and the group was called Company of Profits and she was standing there in the t-shirt making her ridiculous rap hands that, that she was always trying to break. She's like, this is what you do, yo, yo, yo. I'm like, all right, okay. And, and so she sent me that photo in response to my telling her that a second band had asked whether or not I would be willing to step in front for them, right? And and this was the second time in a very short time that I had been invited back into that life. And the first time that I had even thought to accept saying yes, again, since my son had passed, since I had become a runner, and since I had been diagnosed, right? And she sent that and her only answer was, I'm so glad and you have to do it because this is who you are. And I said yes to that and because of that, because what then ended up happening was the same thing with storytelling 
which led to the stand-up comedy. So do you infuse, like, I know you don't get up there and say, hey, I, I have do. a mess, but do you talk about that? Oh, yes, and, I do. Okay. Oh, fuck yes, you I do. do. Okay. I mean, because the thing is, okay. like, look, <laughs> here's the reality, right? Like, as I get up there, one, stand-up comedy is at this, is it the same precipice as the world is, right? It's just one other platform to be able to share the same messages and the same battle is happening, right? I didn't talk about my disability, then I'm not being authentic, right? And if this is supposed to be an autobiographical art form, for me, it's just translating the same thing and that same principle, and I don't have to hide. Right, my my disability is no longer invisible. You have to see it. By the way, you don't know who's able-bodied in this room right now, so don't make that assumption. Right, and 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 just leave folks just with you know just kick a hole in the wall of reality for them just a little bit, just a little bit. And see, that is something that Dana and I have discussed for quite some time. That that black people in general, which is why we named our podcast myelin and melanin but black women are not the face of ms and especially black men and that's why we're so interested in talking to you and getting your story and i love what you just said now you now you have to see me and i think that people don't Mm -hmm. see you as a black man in society i mean they don't see us at all they don't even see us as human they don't right at all all, so right so to to, to think the 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 any of us as, as, as people of the diaspora would actually have needs, health needs, right? I mean, that's just, right. that, it's beyond the scope of the white imagination. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying, go but ahead. How do you think, yeah, I, I, but how do you think that, that, do you think you're seeing now that you have a quote disability, um, you know, how does that change it? How does that change their, their eyes right. to see you? Are you being seen? Are you being heard? I am being right. invited to be a part of things that let me know that somebody is hearing some of what I'm saying. So, uh, okay. yes, right? Mm-hmm. I, it, it, and I'm also aware that there is not a level of intimacy deep deep enough right to really be able to crack that barrier with most people so for me i know that if i allow for myself to speak my truth to the fullest of my ability for as long as i can and speak it as far as i can that ultimately the story still is a very short one in most people's minds, right? In most people's minds, that entire story goes, Richard Pryor, Montel, you. (laughs) That's it, right? Like, that's it. (laughs) Y'all three brothers are the only niggas ever had any MS ever. And you and Montel seem to be doing good and you seem to be doing real good. So I guess it's cool, right? And it's like, B, that's exactly the opposite of what I'm saying. But, right, if that begins to crack that reality a little bit more, just a little bit more, right, then hopefully for the people who 
are are living a more pedestrian life. Y'all have made yourself public, right? But there are other people who are just discovering, mm-hmm. right? Who are just in the process, who are just learning, yeah. right? Maybe somebody coming across this podcast right now because they just found their diagnosis. They just got their DX, mm-hmm. right? And knowing that there are other people out there, that in and of itself builds solidarity. I appreciate the opportunity that y'all create. You know, this, for me, telling and sharing my story is as healing for me as, as anything it would give anybody to chew on ever, right? Because again, it's creating place and letting me be in the world authentically. And um, while the opportunities to do that are, are growing, you certainly have uh, provided me another. And I, I, I can't thank you both enough, uh, Dana and Dawn. I, 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 and, and, the, and the idea for the podcast is just spectacular. We just, you know, we need more, more of this uh, in our community overall, you know, talking honestly about, about how we're going to make it through this. And so thank you. Would you be willing to come on again at some point? Oh, I would love to. You know this. Come on, let's do this. Shit. No, this is, this is fantastic. Um, it's like fuel. And, it, you know, and I'm sure yes. people don't hear. And that that's why this is really so important. And, and, and like I said, it's fuel. It's fire for me because our voices yeah. are not heard. And like the doctor was saying on the webinar, this is the face of MS. And the slide that was there was the European face. And and this is not to to down anybody or to shame anyone or anything like that. But these are the, the realities that we as melanated individuals deal with on a daily basis. And and I think it is so important for us to be heard. It's infuriating for Dana, for example, or for me to go into a doctor's Mm -hmm. office and to, you know, to, we're sitting there advocating for ourselves, but no one is listening. No one is hearing that. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it's happened to Mm -hmm. both of us, which is probably why we were in denial for so many years, because you get Mm -hmm. all of these things happening to you and you just kind of shut down, like, you know, having a horrible spinal tap. Both Mm -hmm. she and I shared that horrible Mm -hmm. experience, Mm -hmm. you know. And then something traumatic as as starting Avanax, uh, and I don't blame my neurologist for for being um, proactive and putting me on that. But something that is so terrifying and new, and no, there's no explanation. There's nobody there to kind of walk you through it. And and that really is my right. goal. And I and I could speak for Dana. I think that's both of our goals. It's just kind of like to help yeah. people walk through this stage and walk through this process, and then to also educate people. So that they understand this is not just two black women musing on life and MS. Like Mm. there is so much to this and so much to who we are. And that is what I love and appreciate about you, Carlos, because you have shown us, yeah, I got MS, but I'm more than MS. I'm more than that. And this is who I am. And you've been complete, 100% authentic. And I couldn't have asked for anything better. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. We thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in, first of all, to Marlon and Melanin. Then you can find us on the web 
at MyLinandMelanin.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyLinandMelanin. And we also have our YouTube channel, which, you know, we've got a video on there. We say it every time. It exists though, right? It does. There. <laughs> All right. There. All right. So, you, you, Nat, so you're just going to speak speak the reality and, and, and you're going to yeah. fill it. You, the vessel is there. So now you just got to fill that vessel up. It's going to be dope. I can't wait to see it. Well, yes. yeah, we have videos, but we just haven't put enough. Uh, okay. I'll look, look at what's there. I'm looking forward to the next. So thank you all for listening. <laughs> thank you, Carlos. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.